The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest needs no introduction, Mr. Tone Vase. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me on. No dramas, mate. Look, uh, obviously, we've got a lot to talk about. You've, uh, you've been having a lot going on recently. You're a trader. I'm a trader. We, we both make a living from the markets doing our thing. And recently, you've become short Bitcoin. Well, not recently. You've been calling short Bitcoin for quite some time. Do you want to um, tell us a little bit about the purpose for why you're looking for short Bitcoin and what you think long term? Because I know they're different. Sure. Yeah. So I've been getting a lot of criticism in that I actually went bearish on the price of Bitcoin. I even know what day because I went back. I checked all my YouTube videos. I put out YouTube videos and mentioned the price of Bitcoin almost every day. I went back to the early January time and I saw that I started to think bearish mm -hmm. on January 10th of this year. Yeah, okay. And probably by January 12th of this year, I was already, damn, we're in a bear market. But what people don't understand is there's a big difference between being bearish and talking that the market is gonna go down and actually putting a trade on. Yeah, 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 of course. Actually putting a short trade on. Because to put that short trade on, you have to be more than 51% certain that it's gonna fall. You have to be more than 60% certain it's gonna fall if you're an experienced trader. Yep. Uh, one of the big lessons I learned in my 15 years of trading is over time, um, you're supposed to trade less and less and less, not more and more. Uh, I like the fact that I only trade five to 10 times a year, yeah. but those trades are very strategic. And even though I've been bearish, since the price of Bitcoin was like above $15,000, I did not see the perfect opportunity to make that short trade until the descending yeah. triangle on a weekly chart was coming to an end at the $6,200 yep. flat line. Yep. And I started taking on my shorts about a month ago um, and looking to double down every time it comes back to 6,200 until it eventually broke through 6,200 and we just fell 700 bucks uh, just nonstop in the last, what, six hours, seven hours? So yep. you got me at a good time. Yeah, I thought I did. <laughs> and, I, and I've been calling for this it's going to fall $1,000 in a day. I've been saying this for months. Uh, finally got it. But, I mean, taking the heat through the BitMEX, sorry, the Bitfinex period, where remember how the tether came on and it all went crazy to nearly 70, 7,800 roughly? How did that go? I mean, as far as your shorts were going, a concern. I mean, did you get stopped out and re-enter into the market? No, I, I did not get stopped out because I purposely did not do that trade on uh, Bitfinex. Right. Uh, because I knew Bitfinex is unstable because of the unstable Tether coin, uh, which they call a stable coin. <laughs> so Bitfinex is a pretty rough exchange to use. You don't want to use that because of that risk. Yeah. Um, so I would have been stopped out. My stop loss was actually set at 7,600. Oh, uh, yeah, that would have been painful too. Right. <laughs> the reason it was set at 7,600 is because that was the prior swing high. Yeah. Now, I, prop I know Bitcoin is volatile, and this, the trade that I put on was leveraged, but it was leveraged in such a way to give me the room in case the craziest possible thing happens. And ironically, the craziest possible thing happened. happened yeah. And because of my risk management and because of my position size, um, I was able to sleep just fine. And I kept telling people, great, now I get a chance to double down when it comes back to that area. Because I think the biggest mistake that new traders make 
is they double down or uh, increase the size of their trades when their trades go against them. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that is the biggest mistake a trader can make. And if there's one mistake that I try to get traders to fix, do not uh, lower the entry of your trade just because you are down on your trade. Absolutely. The only time you should ever increase your position in a losing trade is if it lost, it went against you, but it set up an even more perfect short trade from a higher area. And that is just so rare. Mm. The perfect trades are usually continuation trades, not reversal trades. Yep. People think that the only trading is reversal trading, timing the tops, timing the bottoms. But that's the mugs game. <sighs> They make good videos. They make good videos. Everybody but, wants to be the expert that picks right. the top and bottom, but it's this, it's this chunk in the middle that's important. Yeah, that's where the money's top, made. I don't want the bottom. That's I want the, the money's chunk made. in the middle. And you, you're sort of suggesting something very along the lines of my methodology, which is having a structure. It's having a strategy, knowing what to look for. I work from a checklist. Uh, I teach checklists. So it's about working through and going, right, have I got this, 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 so that it, it brings a level of discipline to a position. So what, you're, I'm sure you're the same when you go to the market. I don't go to the market looking for a trade. I go to the market and try and eliminate everything and whatever's left. If it's that good, I'll take that position. So it's it's a different way of looking at the markets and um, it's served me well over my 12 years. You're a little <laughs> bit longer in the market than I, but and especially this market. But do you sort of follow, subscribe to the same sort of theory that less is more in that, in that regard? Or? I subscribe to the theory that less is more, absolutely. And um, I, I learned these lessons from other senior traders along the way. I wish I was, I'm a, I'm a very diligent researcher, pay attention to detail. I spend so much time, like I can't even uh, describe how much time I've spent in, my, in over 10 years trying to analyze option strategies and option spreads in order to find arbitrage opportunities yeah. and option spreads and even come up with my own um, option spread combinations that don't even exist in textbooks. They have no names. Um, but when it comes to actually um, executing those trades and when it comes to keeping track of those trades, uh, after like once all of my work is done and I found that trade and I continue to use it, I just I have a mental uh, discipline. I don't have the discipline, okay, here's my checklist. Yeah. I got to check that off. I'm going to be diligent about keeping track of yeah. my records. And... That's the kind of stuff I don't do. I just don't have the patience for that. And I have nothing to prove to anyone. Yeah. I know my stuff works. I, I know what my accounts have done over the years. If I, I have no intention of managing other people's money, I've yeah. always managed my own money. Or I'll get together with my friends and my, fam and my family's money. I mean, probably not my family. They have no idea what I do. Yeah. Uh, but my friends know, especially if they've been in the market. So, but if I ever need to show a hedge fund, I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I can compile 10 years worth of records from the three brokers I've ever traded with. I'm sure I can, you know, uh, either spend myself like two weeks going through 10 years of my trading history. I just don't think I'm ever going to need to do that, yeah, so I don't bother. I'm with you on that front. Uh, <laughs> I, I always trade it for myself as well. It's, it's, uh, well. I had a little fun for a little while. I really didn't enjoy it so much. Uh, I take Man. people's emotions on board too much when it's someone else's So buying. here's the thing, right? A lot of people have this dream that when you become a trader, you're going to sit on some Thailand yeah, beach, right. sip it on a, <laughs> you know, sip it on a Mai Tai with a laptop, take it on a trader every now and then. The reality is you're sitting in front of three monitors yep. in a room with <laughs> barely any windows, 
like stressing the hell out of yourself. Yeah. That's the life until you are good enough yeah. <laughs> to do that, yep. to sit on that beach. And by then you're probably gonna have something more interesting for your time. With me, I love traveling the world. I love speaking at conferences. I love educating people on what I've learned in trading yeah. over the last 15 years. And I'm making YouTube videos because I just enjoy it. Well, we're very similar in that regard, mate. We've both been around for a while. I actually really enjoy the business side of it as well, the education side. This stuff is really fun, the travel. So we're, we're, two, we're fairly similar in what we're doing at the moment in many ways. Now, one thing I want to touch on right now, let's talk about Bitcoin Cash and the hash rate that's been going on. Now, you sort of spoke with Craig Wright recently and from there, I'm not sure if it was that's what kicked it off or how it started, but what's going on in that space? Because it just seems like a real big, you know, swinging such and such match at the moment. <laughs> Who's going to win and why it's going this way? Uh, it, seems to be, it seems to be swinging in one direction actually at the moment. Uh, but, so here's the thing. So here's what I see in the crypto space. Yeah, I come from a traditional Wall Street space. You yeah. do as well. Yeah. And um, I was a little bit naive, younger, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, got into this whole libertarian space. Not that it's bad or anything yeah. like that, the whole gold bug movement. Yep. And then you learn, like you learn that, wait a minute, gold is like the worst investment <laughs> in history. Um, it'll preserve your money, but it'll never make you anything. Um, so, so you go through these transitions and it gets you into Bitcoin and then you read all of these, you know, gloom and doomers and how the market's gonna crash yeah. and um, all the Wall Streeters are evil and Goldman Sachs is evil <laughs> yeah. and all these people are evil. And I worked at Bear Stearns during the collapse and then JP Morgan and all the people that I work with, they were honest, hardworking people. Yeah. They, nobody wanted to lose their job at Bear yeah. Stearns. Nobody wanted to lose their job at Lehman Brothers. Yep. And the average person I've ever met in, on Wall Street, you know, college educated, has a family, you know, wants to keep their life uh, nice, doesn't want to go to prison, doesn't want to be in the news. You know, <laughs> nobody wants that stuff. And I come into the crypto space and everyone around me is a scammer. And in the crypto space, the average person I meet, I got to figure out, okay, did this guy, was this guy uh, like a high school dropout because he couldn't pass high school? Yep. Like, and then he's sitting here trying to build a blockchain? <laughs> like it's it's insane. So and they're the, they're the ones that are saying these guys are bad, but correct. there's a lot of scams going correct. on here. So what happens in a crypto space? No one does any research, right? Um, so whenever I look at a project and I'm like, well, this is ridiculous, and they're like, you have to do your research. And then I look at it for 10 to 15 minutes. I'm like, oh my god, this is so much worse than I thought. So what happened was when I mean I've been debating against uh, Bitcoin Cash. I call it Bcash to avoid confusion, but we can call it Bitcoin Cash at this point because it's about to die anyway. Um, and um, um, so I, I, I didn't like it because it seemed like a centralized mess that has, can't compete. Uh, but people seem to believe in it. And I'm like, oh God, you can't use it as a store of value. You gotta like use it like Venezuelan uh, Boulevard. You gotta, if you got some, B, uh, yeah, some, some Bitcoin cash, get rid of it as soon as possible because it's a hot potato. Um, and it was great that they were supporting that narrative. You gotta spend it, you gotta spend it. I'm like, right, exactly, that's what I'm saying. And um, so I knew it was a centralized mess that could come at risk of all kinds of attacks. And now that they were gonna uh, do an upgrade and one or two people disagreed and they were gonna go there, they didn't want that upgrade. But what people didn't do their research on is how much hash power those two people have. Mm. I knew it. I looked at it for about 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, what are all these exchanges doing? 
they've aligned on the wrong side. They're going to get destroyed. Like, they, they were clueless. And if everyone is clueless, and I know it, and I'm not, I'm not, again, I don't, I barely consider myself a, I'm more of a content creator. Yeah. And my passion is to provide as much public information to even the playing field yeah. instead of trading on that proprietary information. It's just not my job anymore. So I texted Craig Wright and I said, hey, why don't you come on my show? Let's clue the people in on what's about to happen in four days because I knew what was gonna happen. I, I, I brought him on my channel, we went through it, and all of a sudden everyone realized well, the that is. he had the hash power. And, and there you go. And I'm, about, I'm gonna be doing an epic live stream tonight. I'm gonna cover this live uh, because people need to understand that blockchains, they're not easy. Yeah. They're not simple. Uh, the fact that Bitcoin remains unconfiscatable and censorship resistant and keeping its monetary policy and you can't attack it uh, other than spamming the blockchain uh, a year and a half ago, which you can't do anymore because, the cha the, because SegWit got in yeah. and it's scaling. Um, but if you have any other blockchain than Bitcoin, it's totally attackable, even by one person. As so we're you're, witnessing. You're, you're basically a Bitcoin maximalist, yeah? Oh, um, sure. I just see that as a good thing, uh, not as a bad thing. And I'm going to quote my friend Giacomo Zucco uh, from the BHB network in Italy. Where I know he, Giacomo well. Where he explained, he says, Bitcoin maximalist is actually a, a moderate people. We think that Bitcoin will probably or might succeed because there's two additional extremes. The other extreme is no coin will succeed. Ever exist, yeah. And the other extreme is the Vitalik Buterin, Dan Larimer, and the altcoiners um, extreme in that Bitcoin is so not innovative and not important and irrelevant that my blockchain is just as good. And my argument to them is most people got into Bitcoin uh, because they didn't like the fact that the Fed is just printing money and we have crazy monetary policy. But for some reason, they think that them printing their own money yeah. is somehow better. Yeah. Like if you believe in altcoins, even Litecoin, even Monero, then you believe in inflation. You believe in the Fed. You believe that you don't need, you need more than 21 million Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin is the most secure blockchain, why don't you push for changing the supply of Bitcoin to have more Bitcoin than 21 million? Because Bitcoin will be more secure than your Litecoin or it will be more private than Monero. Like instead of having another... A, a split a, a fork and another, another token of coin, yeah. Instead of having an inferior alternative, why wouldn't you just want more Bitcoin? Yeah. And like, like I, I don't know how to get these concepts through to people. They just see dollar signs of printing their own money. Well, they see the uh, the hope of the lotto ticket in many instances, which if you've got one, maybe one day you'll win. Right. And I think that's what, you know, you look at how it moved last yeah. year. It was just absolutely insane. It brought, it brought a lot of people in. Obviously, we're seeing, you know, the counter of that now. Markets go yeah. up and down. One thing I always say is that market the market can and will go higher. Market can and will go lower. Yeah. You don't know when, how or what or why. Right. Again, that chunk in the middle is where you've got to be at. You know? We both agree that technical analysis is not voodoo and nope. it can certainly help. It's what I've been, <laughs> I do pretty much only technically, I mean, I research yeah. companies I invest in, but it's for me, when it comes to trading, my decisions are totally unbiased. 
so I can block out all the noise. So speaking of which, you've been publicly saying Bitcoin lower. Where are we going to? What's your opinion on that? So I've been saying Bitcoin to, and I'm very specific about this number, 4,975. And the reason why it's 4,975 is because um, I think around August, forgot what day. My memory is usually pretty good, but sometimes the day gets away from so, me. So right, you've traveled a long uh, way. Yeah. You've traveled so, a long way. And it's not even this August, it's last August. <laughs> so so um, sometime in August of uh, 2017, the price of Bitcoin was rallying really fast from 4,000 yeah. up to 5,000. And I was looking at my charts. I'm a big fan of the TD sequential system. And the TD sequential system was basically saying that the market was gonna top on that day. And uh, Bitcoin was flying up to 5,000 and we were doing a live show on uh, the World Crypto Network at the time. Uh, I'm not there anymore, I have my own channel now. And everyone is happy and I'm looking at it, I'm like, hey guys, my technical analysis says we're gonna top like right now. Like in the next few hours, we should top at 4,975, I don't think we're gonna touch 5,000. That's when we went to three, right? Uh, that was what? We went back to three. Correct. Yeah. And I said, hey, we're about to top and we're probably gonna go back to either three or 1,300. I called the $3,000 low perfectly as well. And um, because I called that top so perfectly, 9,475, I've always said the moment we broke it on the way up, I was bullish again. But I've always said we have to come back and touch for 975. I'm a big fan of touching prior highs. Yep. In fact, for like the last four to five years, I've been saying gold needs to come back and touch the 1980 high of 875. And I'm still thinking that even today, that gold's gonna come back and touch 875. Uh, this kind of analysis has worked for me throughout history, and it's usually pretty good. So I'm looking for that number. Right. Now, it depends how we get to that yeah. number. If we kind of get stuck at 5,000 and make another descending triangle, we're gonna blow right through it and go down to three. But if we continue to fall really quickly over the next week, and fall down to that just under 5,000, I can see us bouncing back up to the $6,000 range. But I think this bear market is long from over. So that's quite interesting because you, you call the top, I, at the time as it was running up, I was sort of suggesting we pull back to three. That was a level of old resistance. It was also a double Fibonacci point for which I trade from and you put a lot of weight on. So 3,000 round number, horizontal level of resistance and a 61.8% well, Fib. Well, for me, uh, the 3,000 was the prior swing high because we, we yeah, that hit, was the old high. That, that was the prior swing high. So I was looking for 3,000 as well for slightly different reasons. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah, and we both hit it. Different and, points of view, same yeah. outcome. And it's funny. I have a, I sent out a tweet. Uh, I even remember what it was it was. I was in Germany at the time at some conference, and I'm watching it crashing into three. And I try not to call the price way yeah. in advance uh, because. For me, because I'm an options trader, I have such an emphasis on time. Yes, of course. And this is why I love the TD sequential system, because it has nothing to do with price. It's only time-based. It tries to time the market based on time, not on price. And, and a lot of new traders, they don't have this time concept, this like fourth dimension of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they just don't see it. And uh, so, so, that's a, so the time to mark one, didn't really time the 3,000, but I had other means to do it. And I remember sending a tweet from Germany, and the tweet went like this. It's now or never. Bitcoin has to defend 3,000 right now. Otherwise, we're going way lower down to 1,300, which is the prior 
swing high yeah. from uh, from 2013. And then basically it bounced that day. And later that night, um, I got a tweet from uh, Max Kaiser replying to my tweet saying, thanks, Tone. I got my buys filled at 29.90 yep. and the low was 29.85 yep. across all exchanges. And I think that's when I realized, wow, Max Kaiser is a fan of mine because I was always a fan of Max Kaiser because it's because of him. I'm in Bitcoin in the first place because that's where I heard about it to right. begin with. And now I've been on his show about three times. So it's really cool how it all like, goes around, again, come, comes yeah. around full circle. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the, the diff as I say, the different methods that we both got, uh, I've got my trading strategy, you've got yours. Uh, there's more than one way to you know, make money in a market. You've just got to have a way that works consistently. So where do you see it going? Way. For me, look, right now we've just broken down. I want to see if, if we take out the new annual lows properly. I don't mean just tapping through it. I don't know what price is doing right now. If we can get going on that, then I can see 3,000 being met. It depends on how we get there again. That's right. the Isn't only that, strong level I can see. That's the point. Like, uh, this, this is another thing that frustrates me about people that listen to your analysis. It's not always the price. I try to even tell people price and time. And I'm going to be wrong on one of them. Like, I'm one of the few traders. We're often that, wrong, traders. Right. So we'd I, but I'm one of the few traders that I don't only give you the price. I give you the time. I was looking for the 5,000 in July. Yep. And everyone is like, where's your 5,000? You said July. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with my 5,000. It's just going to take longer. And guess what? Because it's going to take longer, you shouldn't be happy. It means the bear market's yeah. going to last longer. Yeah. You know? Don't be happy that I was wrong about my time. It's actually worse. Uh, because I was wrong about the time. So that's one thing. And the other thing that people need to understand, it's not about being right. It's about how you got there. Yeah. Because you can sit here right now and say 3,000 should be the low, and then we should go to new highs. And then it gets to 3,000, and the way it gets to 3,000, you can say, oh, man, I think we're going lower. And then people Turn on you. don't listen to the new yeah. information. People have to understand that with every single second that goes by, we as traders have new information. Correct. And that information not only changes our immediate outlook, it can change the outlook for the next four years that we have on an asset. That's right. Um, so you always have, you can only pay attention to the last thing a trader said, not something he even said yesterday. It's only what the last thing he said well, about I an asset. Well, I can't make any price prediction, so to speak. I look at support and resistance levels, areas I see on the yeah. chart. 3,000 is the only really clear one that I see. I'm not suggesting we'll get there. I'm not suggesting what? we'll bounce from right. there. I'm just suggesting that to me on the chart is the only clear level that I see as a level of support that stands out to me. And the most important thing is, I tell people, you have to be, you don't, you don't necessarily have to be prepared um, with your portfolio for this. You have to be mentally prepared. Yeah. You have to be mentally ready for Bitcoin to drop. And what I tell people, I will not panic until Bitcoin goes below 1,000. Because anything for Bitcoin down to 1,000 is reasonable. Yeah. Below 1,000 is probably unreasonable and it might be over. Yeah, okay. But down to 1,000 is reasonable and possible. Do I think Bitcoin is a little bit different? Do I think that Bitcoin can reverse from the two and a half or three thousand dollar area? I do. So my current targets are five thousand or okay. just under yep. because of the prior swing high, three thousand because of the two hundred week moving average, and uh, from the triangle breakdown yeah, yeah. target yep. uh, price of a fifty percent drop, 
And then it's the 2013 all-time high of the area between 1100 and 1300. Those are my three they targets. Have a step down. Those are my three targets. I'm almost certain we're going to hit the first. I'm more than 50% certain we're going to hit the second. I'm less than 50% certain right now we're going to hit the third. Let's see what happens if we hit the second. Yep. Um, but if, if we reverse from above 2000 and start a new bull market, I'll be the happiest guy in the world. I was going to say, you know, there's two sides to that. Fundamentally, long term, I want to see the price go up. Short term, I read charts. That's, you know, I, I, there are two different camps. There's investor camp, there's trader camp. And I focus very much on the trader side because the investor side is more passive. The trader side requires more attention. On the upside, if we do turn around, where, where are we going? Um, it, once we turn around and we start a new bull market, we are going to break the new all-time highs. Uh, my current view is this. Until we break 20,000 or we get uh, in USD, yeah. or we get close enough to 20,000, say 15,000 back up. If we can go back about 15,000, I will cancel my $1,300 target. It will probably yeah. never happen again. Uh, the next time we break 20,000, I think it will be a little bit less of a bull run thinking maybe 50K, maybe 75 tops, yeah. uh, because we went what? We went about 15X yep. from prior swing high to this swing high. Yeah. Um, I can't see us going up 10X straight, maybe 5X at max. Hopefully it goes a bit slower this time so we get more trading opportunities. Uh, perhaps. That'd um, be nice, um, that's what I'd like. I, I, I'd like it to be slower because we Sustained too. The moment I thought that I actually called a seventy-five hundred dollar top for twenty seventeen um, at the time, and I thought that anything above seventy-five hundred last year was dangerous and was gonna end so badly, and people were ridiculing me that um, I called it. Now, as a trader. The moment we broke above 7,500, which was supposed to be my top for the year, I became a big bull again because at that point, you don't know if it's going to 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, a million dollars a coin. Yeah. You have no idea. You got to ride the trend. Yeah, exactly. That's but right. also as an experienced trader, I knew that anything above 75,000 is going to cause extra pain. 7,500. 7,500. It's going to cause extra pain on the way down Absolutely. when the FOMO ends. Well, the thing is, the markets are never different. I mean, they, when you get so parabolic yeah. like that, and for me personally, I'm sure for you as well, Tone, there was a lot of signs up there as to, okay, it's getting, A, it's, it's moved so far so quick, then the, then the, the volatility increases with, between the war of buyers and sellers, the candles start getting massive, the market starts getting toppy, there were plenty of opportunities to get out, uh, but you could get out on the way up, you know, right. 15,000 right. were massively overextended. 20,000? It was starting to get really silly. Doing what did you do? Two days in a row, we did like three thousand dollars per day. This is not the, the the characteristics of a normal, stable, secure market. The writing was on the wall. We do come with a lot more experience than others, though. It's interesting, really interesting, hearing your short-term versus long-term view. That's what I wanted to get from you. The the wonderful story about the Craig Wright with the hashtag. It's obviously very topical right now, and uh, it's an absolute pleasure having you in the country. Tell us why you're here. Actually, why are you in Australia? Well, uh, my YouTube channel gets a crazy amount of views from this country. It's, uh, uh, so my ranks are US is number one by viewership, UK is number two, and then Canada and Australia are fighting for the third spot. So I have Canada to- Canada and Australia don't fight, we're yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> and um, I had to come down to Australia, never been to the country. So I started in Perth because I was coming from Singapore, yep. been to Melbourne, uh, it's here in Sydney now. I'll head up to Brisbane and then I'm going to continue on to New Zealand and to South America and continue my speaking tour that started all over Europe back in September. Wow. So I'm in the middle of a four month speaking tour, meetups, conferences. Um, a workshop every now and then where I teach people how to be responsible traders, yep. learning technical analysis, and um, it's great. I have a huge fan base. Everybody's taking me out to dinner. It's awesome. Well, <laughs> uh, I, got, I had some kangaroo meat. It's great. Ah, uh, you kind of cook that yeah, stuff. you guys have good steaks. Uh, I got to gotta find another spot tonight to have a nice good steak. Mate, well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you Thank so you. much for your time, Tone. Welcome to Australia. I was going to say sunny Sydney, but unfortunately, yeah. you brought the rain with you. I look forward to hearing and seeing more from you in the future and uh, seeing what happens with Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin over the coming weeks. It'll be very, very interesting. So where yeah. can people find out more information about you, mate? Sure. I'm pretty much Tone Vase everywhere. It's uh, ToneVase.com, ToneVase on Twitter, ToneVase YouTube channel. I started out with like a name for my channel, but then you know what? I'm just by myself. I work for myself. I'm not going to work for anyone ever again. I should be the brand. Uh, so I just branded everything as Tone Vase. So just Google Tone Vase and you'll find an unreasonable amount of content uh, that I put out. People have no idea how, how I do it. I don't know how I do it, but I'm going to keep trying and um, I love it. Good on you, mate. Well, you know where to find more information on Tone Vase. Thanks so much, brother. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Take it easy. Oh, one more thing. Oh. Damn. Uh, Go. Can you guys cut that in? No, go. Um, Just keep going. All right. You guys edit these anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, go. All right. All right. Um, and also, I, am, uh, I decided to start my own conference. So I will be hosting my very first conference. It is called Unconfiscatable. Uh, the first one is going to be in Vegas, and it comes with a crypto celebrity poker game uh, mm -hmm. where we already have about 10 uh, popular, influential people as part of the 100 people uh, poker celebrity game. Uh, it's a 0.1 Bitcoin to play, and it's going to be organized by the casino, followed by a one-day conference with some very good speakers, including Max Kaiser and Seyfedina Moose, author of the Bitcoin Standard, yep. Jimmy Song, uh, developer, Giacomo, and many yeah. others. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so check out unconfiscatable.com if you're looking for a true Bitcoin conference. Excellent. Thanks so much for your time, guys. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters.